0: I mean, aren't you glad for a pastor that believes in people? come on, seriously, man. I'm so thankful for Pastor Adam and Jamie, man. I've known Pastor Adam since I was a senior in high school, and when I first met him, he was like, bro, you're a knucklehead, ain't no Jesus in you. And so he stayed with me, and I was like, all right, I'm we'll stay with you. And uh, and we worked all that stuff out. We look back, and we laugh every now and then at how, how far our relationship has come. And I'm like, dude, I'm preaching for you, man. It's crazy. I'm a pastor at your church. It's crazy. We would have never thought that back in the day. And so I'm just so thankful, come on, that our pastors, Adam and Jamie, come in. man, they believe in people. Come on, they believe believe the best in every single one of us, and it's so incredible that they always cast a vision for where they see us and not where we're at right now, right? Come on, they never speak into where you're at, but they're always casting vision for where they see us at. So, so thankful for Pastor Adam and Miss Jamie, and as they're ministering and blessing the people in Rockwall, man, just so thankful that our influence isn't just, isn't just, you know, you know confined to right here, but that it's, it's actually spreading and growing, and so really excited for that. Well, we're going to be closing out part four of our Squad Goal series. Look to the person next to you say, Squad Goals squad goes yeah I hope this has been a challenging series for you a good series it's been a really good series for me I've actually been looking at my friend circle and being like look man I gotta stack my squad and so I'm looking for for four crazy friends people that get me to Jesus even when I can't so I'm looking at people and be like oh no 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 you gotta go right and then and then moving on to that I need people that help me that won't help me bow right I need people that are like hey bro we're gonna stand against the rising tide of evil come on man so I'm looking at that I'm literally like a draft I'm looking at building my squad I'm like all right man then Ruth and Naomi, need help. I need someone to help me that, that you know, when people are bitter all around me, somebody just long suffering with that lady. I just, as we read about that, man, this lady, she changed her name from Mara. She just embraced the bitterness. Like, I'm just going to stay bitter. I'm like, man, I need people to help me with those people. Come on, man. And then I'm looking for a Boaz, somebody that can just fund everything that I'm doing, right? Come on, I, I need somebody to, like, come on, every every squad needs a Boaz. Somebody's just stacked and loaded, like, hey, this is where we're going to go. It's like, all right, I'm with you, Boaz, right? And so everybody needs one of those. Right? But as we're closing out with part four, it's been such a great series. I hope as it, it's been as good for you as it's been for me. Really, I've been looking at, at who, who I'm around and the people that I've surrounded myself with because I know that, that I, I will eventually be what they are, right? Come on. The people I surround myself with will be who I become. Check this, this quote out right here from Jim Rohn, he's a business guru. He says this right here. He says, you will have the combined health, attitude, and income of the top five people that you hang out with the most. He says, you will have, you will have the combined health, attitude, and income of the five people you hang out with the most. You, you think about that. Come on, we are a product of our environment. So as we look at this, really, as we are developing our squad and who we're surrounding ourselves by, it's so important that we have people who are godly people in our lives. Come on, it's so important that we have those influences in our lives that we have people looking at us and say, hey, that's not necessarily a good idea, man. You shouldn't really do that, bro. You shouldn't have said that, that we have those people in our lives. Remember, the key scripture is coming out of Romans chapter 11, verse 14, and it says this. It says, if by any means I may provoke to jealousy, those who are my flesh and save some of them. Remember, Paul is writing this. He's writing this and he's saying, hey, his ministry is kind of taking off in this in this time right here. And what happens is, is he's a Jew, right? And he's preaching to the Jews and they're resisting Jesus, the Messiah. They were looking for someone to come and deliver them from the Roman rule. That They're under Roman rule right now. And they were looking for someone to come deliver them. They were hoping that there would have been someone like a David that just rose up and just started killing all the enemies and really liberated them. But what Jesus ended up doing was saying, I'm not going to free you from the the oppressive people. I'm going to free you from the oppressive things on your heart. And Jesus came in and he did that, right? And it was not only for the Jew, but for the Gentile also. So as Paul is preaching, he's saying, man, all of a sudden the Gentiles are getting saved and the Jewish people are seeing this. They're resisting Jesus, right? And so so he says, you know what? If you're going to resist him, then guess what? I'm going to take it to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles basically start to see a revival come forth. And what he's saying is, he's saying, man, we hope so much so that the Jewish people would see this and they would say, oh my gosh, there's such revival in the Gentiles' lives. Man, the favor of God is resting on them. What is happening over there? I want that. And that's what Paul is hoping to do, to provoke them to jealousy. And this whole, the whole goal of this series would be that we would have relationships and that we would be friends, that people say, I want that. Those are the kind of people I want in my life. Those are the kind of people that I want being my friends. They're not backbiting. They're not talking about each other. They're not spreading rumors or drama. But those are the kind of people I I want in my life. And that that we would literally provoke them to jealousy in our relationships. As we close out, we're going to be talking about one of the greatest squads in all of the Bible. Come on, these guys took the gospel out, not not only from their little hometown, but they spread the gospel all over the place. We were talking about Paul and Barnabas. Come on, Paul, remember Paul had this this amazing interaction. Come on, he had this amazing interaction with the Lord as he was changed on the road to Damascus. As he's riding out, really, he's gonna go kill people. He's got the order to go persecute and kill Christians. And he has this this life-changing experience as this light comes down on the road to Damascus. And he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he has this conversation with the living God. After he's blinded for about three days, and he sends him on, on his way. And Paul begins to, to journey in a relationship with the Lord. And then we've got Barnabas, who's known in Scripture as a son of encouragement. So you got Paul, who's, who's a, little, a little crash man. He, he's kind of black and white. There's no room for good, none of that. It's either this or it's that. And you've got Barnabas, who's just encouraging him. Bro, you can do it, man. Come on. It's good, bro. Yeah, it's all right. And that's Paul, and that's Barnabas. And they join up and they form this squad. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. But our key scripture is coming right here out of 2 Peter 3, verse 9. And it says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Come on, if you leave with nothing else this morning, know this that the Lord is patient with you and he wants nothing more than for you to come to repentance with him. Come on, he, he's, not, he's not some giant God man with this giant God beard pointing his giant God finger at you every time you make a mistake. He's not sitting there looking at your life and said, I knew he'd do that. Gosh, I knew he'd do that. I knew he would mess up. I knew he couldn't do it. I knew there was no way that he'd be able to, to abstain from that. I knew that there was no way that, that he, would, he would ever be able to be a nice person, and it, that, 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 that all that abuse that came up from his childhood, I knew that would ruin him. Man, look at that. So disappointed in that, guy. That's not at all what God says about you. Come on, God is so patient with you. And all he desires is that you would come to repentance to him. He said it's the exact opposite. Oh, my gosh, man, I'm just waiting for you to come back. Son, daughter, you have no idea how much I love you. And when it says here that he is slow, he is patient, come on, that he, he's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance, that really is his heart. That really is the Father's heart. That none would perish. That none would perish. That everyone would come to repentance with him. Therefore, he's patient with us. Man, I'm so thankful for a God who's patient. I'm so thankful for a God who is who, who slow in disciplined. Come on, there's times where me as a dad where I've popped off at my kids and I was like, oh my gosh, man, I shouldn't have done that. I let my emotions get the better of me. Come on, we got anybody in here like that? Where you let the emotions get the better of you. And all of a sudden you're looking at it and my son's crying and I'm like, dude, I totally messed this up, bro. And I embrace him and I hold it. I'm so thankful that our God isn't like that. I'm so thankful that he doesn't first you know, discipline us and then be like, oh man, that was too too soon. He says, I'm patient with you, man. I'm patient that none would perish. And that everyone would come to repentance. And that really is what Paul and Barnabas got. As they got the heart of the Father in that whole thing, Paul and Barnabas understood that. They understood that that, 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 God would, that Jesus would desire that none would perish. He desired that. And he said, well, because of that, then there are people that don't know the gospel that we have to take it to. He says, so there are people that, that we have to take the gospel to. There, there are people that will never, ever hear, that will never, ever know the love of God, and we have to do something about that. Come on, raise your hand in here if you've ever desired about doing something great for God in your life. Come on, you, you, you've ever desired, it's like, man, I want to do something great for God. Before I die, I want to do something great. It doesn't matter if, it, if it's, hey, like, I want to travel the world and tell people about Jesus, or, hey, man, I just want that my mother-in-law wouldn't be so mean to me anymore, Right? That would be a miracle. It's like, look, i want to do something great for God. My mother-in-law's a mean person. I just want her to like me. Come on. But we've all desired to do something great for God. We've all desired that. But you know what? Doing something great for God means that we have to do something, right? Come on, <clears throat> doing something great for God requires action on our part. It doesn't just happen. You don't just sit there and all of a sudden, man, things begin to happen. Come on, there's action in doing life. And that's what happens when we see Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 13. We're gonna pick it up with them. And in Acts chapter 13, we see the very beginning of what's happening here. We see the very beginning of Paul and Barnabas beginning to go out and do something, beginning to go out and make a difference. We see it right here in Acts chapter 13, verse two. It says this, is as they ministered to to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work in which I have called them to. Right? He, says, he says, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Paul, for the work I have called them to. Right there, the Lord is giving them this thing. He said, hey man, separate them out. So where they're at right now, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Paul, is they're serving at the church in Antioch. They've plugged into their church, right? So we said earlier that Paul had this this crazy interaction with Jesus, right? He he had this crazy interaction. See, Paul was a a killer of Christians. He was uh, hardcore against what they called the way back in Scripture, the movement of God. He's against that. He's killing people. He's imprisoning Christians, all of these things. He has this radical encounter with Jesus, and it all shifts and changes, then all of a sudden, he's sent to this guy's house on Straight Street. He hangs out with him. And the Jesus is saying, hey, man, I need you to train this guy. I need you to teach this guy. Could you imagine? All of a sudden, you had this guy that comes forth. He, he, he's a crazy, crazy guy who's killing people. And all of a sudden, the Lord says, I want you to disciple him. Like, no way, man. Well, how, how do we know he's not making up what just happened? How do we know he's not going to steal my identity and then kill us all? Nope, not doing it, Lord. Right, and that's kind of what's happened here. So, what happened is is Barnabas has embraced Paul. He's really embraced Paul. He said, You know what? He's a good guy, guys. Come on. I know he killed people, but you know, he's a good guy. People change, right? And so that's kind of what he's doing here. So, Barnabas and Paul have served in the church of Antioch. I would imagine that, that when they first got there, as Paul's going through grow track, right? He's trying to understand what's happening. He, he's, he's finding out, you know what, where, where can I serve? Can I make a difference? His personality profile test was all D. He's just, he's just a crazy guy, you know, he's just like totally domineering, right? His spiritual gifting was just, you know, rebuking, right? And so it's like, that's not even a spiritual gifting test. How'd you even score that, Paul? What's going on here, man? But he went through all those things. I believe he was serving the church of Antioch. He was plugged in. Man, he might have been a greeter. I don't know, he's probably a small group leader. I don't know, but he is serving the church at Antioch. Come on, he's serving the local body. He's doing his best to grow what's happening right there. And in Acts chapter 13, verse two, Holy Spirit says, hey man, look, I need you to separate out to me Barnabas and Paul to the work. I'm calling them out to come do something for me. I'm calling them out to come, to come do something. I'm separating them out to do the work. The work for them would be to go and spread the gospel. Come on, If you've never ever been separated out for the work, guess what, it's a little scary. Come on, it's a little scary to be kind of almost cut from the herd as so is what it seems. Myrna and I are experiencing what that's like firsthand. Come on, we we planted our youth ministry here about 10 years ago and we grew the Ezekiel Project and, and, and we've seen young people come to Jesus all over. About nine, 10 months ago, Pastor Adam said, hey, look, man, I believe the Lord is doing something in Mansfield and we would love for you and Myrna to do that. We prayed about it and all of a sudden we felt separated out to go do something. We had taken what we learned here, building small groups, making disciples, growing young people to love Jesus. Those are all the things that we did and all of a sudden we felt like we were separated out to do that. Come on, if you want to do something great for God, you first have to do something. We took that step of faith and we went out there and we see what the Lord is doing. Although it might not be easy, but let me tell you something, the Lord is doing something. And guess what? Church in the Hill of Mansfield is making a difference. Come on, we see Barnabas and Paul being separated out, having this story, man, where all of a sudden Paul is radically saved. Barnabas, known as the son of encouragement, they go out and they begin to minister and they begin to do the work. Well, what is the work? Well, Jesus defines the work in Matthew 28. He defines the work and what that is in Matthew chapter 28. And there in, at the very last verse of Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the work. When, when, he, when, when they were separated out for the work, that's what it was. Go and make disciples. All throughout youth ministry, I'd have young people come to me and they say, well, Pastor Jonathan, what, what, I, I feel like I'm going to have a new purpose for my life. What's my purpose? And I would look at him, and I would give him the same answer all the time. I'd say, hey, look, man, I don't know if you're called to be a doctor, I don't know if you're called to be a lawyer. You might be, but your math scores aren't very good, right? And so, I don't know. You you don't like to do homework and, you know, whatever. So, I don't know exactly what your purpose is. I don't know exactly what your calling is as far as occupation. I don't know those things. But I will tell you what I believe your purpose is. According to scripture, to make disciples. Minister where you're at. A lot of times, man, we'll we'll get wrapped up in that and say, well, if I'm not ministering at a church or I'm not ministering at this, then, then I'm not doing the work of God or I don't feel like I have purpose or calling. That's not it at all. That's not it at all. When he's saying make disciples, services don't make disciples. Come on, church services don't make disciples. Come on, programs don't make disciples. You know what makes disciples? One-on-one interaction. Come on, one-on-one interaction. When, you, when you're walking that, through the journey with somebody. Come on, when, when you're walking out of divorce with somebody and they're struggling with it and you're walking it with them. Come on, when you're walking the death of a loved one with somebody. Come on, when somebody's child isn't wanting to serve Jesus and is out away way and partying, coming home at all hours of the night. Come on, that's walking it out with them. That's making disciples. Sitting there with somebody, they're so brokenhearted and say, hey, look, man, I got no other words for you, man, but Jesus loves you. He knows, man. The scripture says he's close to the brokenhearted. Come on, that's what making a disciple is, not, the, not, not services. And so when he says, hey, man, I'm separating you out to do the work, man, Paul and Barnabas just began to talk to people. They, there was really no, no, no you know, church they were invited to speak at. There was a few synagogues that they spoke at, but they were just interacting with people. They were just talking to people. Some of the greatest miracles I've seen in my Christian walk happened in the workplace. I was working at, at, at this place in downtown Dallas. We worked in a big high-rise. And I was in the sales department, and we got this new graphic designer, and he showed up, and he was a God hater. He did not like Christians at all. I never met anybody like that, but he was actively opposed to God, right, and anybody that represented him. So as he worked in there, as he began to kind of get to know us and work with us, man, the dude was just a jerk to me. He was really mean. I was like, what is your problem, dude? And I struggled to even kind of be nice to him. I was like, look, I, ain't, nah, I just ain't even going to be around you. Well, just one day he calls me up, and he says, hey, Pena, hey, uh, I need to talk to you. I was like, no, man. And we had we had developed a little bit of a relationship. I just would invite him to company lunches with us. I was a the sales team would go out to lunch. I'd be like, hey, you want to come with us? No, nah, I don't want to come. Say, so like, all right, good. At least she knew I was inviting him a little bit. I was like, I was hoping you would say that. Good job. I, I feel a little bit better about myself. I was hoping you'd say no. All right. All right. right. So I was at. It was one day he calls me and said, Hey Penny, I need to talk to you. And I was like, What? So I got up and, and I said, Hey, you want to talk in your office? He's like, No, 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 no. Let's talk in this office. Well, we had this office that was kind of like a, like a utility office that had, it was a weird office. It had like a weight bench in it and had like a sofa in it and like a bunch of other supplies. And so it was a really utility, utility office and the lights were off in it. He's like, I want to talk to you in here. I was like, I ain't gonna talk to you in there. I, like, I don't know what God you believe you're going to sacrifice me to. He's like, no man. <laughs> God says, I need a halfway good looking chubby Hispanic guy. I found one, right? So <clears throat> I ain't no way I'm about to be a sacrifice to that. And he brings me in there and he says, Hey, you talk to God? I was like, oh, man, here we go. This is a weird thing. I was like, what do you mean I talk? I pray. He's like, God hears you? I was like, yeah, I think so. Yeah. He said, well, I want to tell you something. I was like, oh, man, here we go. (laughs) He said, me and my wife, we were trying to have kids and just found out that my wife's womb is non-conducive for growth of a baby. I said, really? He says, yeah. He said, will you pray for me? And I said, absolutely, I'll pray for you. He said, I want, I want, I want you to pray for, for something else, too. I said, what? He says, you know, about, about four months ago, man, I, I was out missing a lot. You know that? And I said, yeah. He said, my wife, we were pregnant. She lost a baby. And I was like, man, I'm so sorry, bro. I'm so sorry, man. He said, I want you to pray for, for that, too. So I looked at him. I said, hey, bro, look, I'm believing. I'm believing. I'm saying about faith, dude, that you're going to have, your wife's going to have babies. And then, you know what? The Lord's going to give you back what you lost in that other baby. He said, all right, man. So I, I, I said, look, grab my hands, man. I'm not going to make you strange or weird. Just, just hold my hand. I'm, I just won't pray with you. He said, okay. I had two reasons for doing that. Number one, if I'm holding his hands, I know he's going to punch me in the face, right? And so <laughs> still believing this is kind of a trick, right? And number two, I wanted him to feel the power of God, right? So I held his hands. I said, all right, dude. He said, close your eyes. He said, okay. I kept my eyes open. I'm still wondering about this guy. Well, if he's manifesting, I want to know what's going on, right? So so I'm praying with him, and I pray with him, and he looks at me, and he said, dude, that S is going to work. And I said, okay. (laughs) I said, all right. He was happy. So we go on with our lives, and he's kind of mean to me a little bit still after that, and I was like, all right, that's okay. At least I know I pray with him, and he's a little bit more receptive. He comes to me about seven months later, and he says, bro, you won't believe what's going on. I said, what? He says, we're pregnant. I said, dude, that's awesome, man. He says, I know. I told you your prayer was gonna work. I said, look, dude, ain't nothing about me, man. Lord's doing something in you, bro. Come on, man. Hey, I- I'm celebrating with you guys. He comes to me a few months after that. He says, Pena, come here, come here. I said, what? I, I thought they had lost a baby. He said, hey, bro, <laughs> do you not know can believe it, man? I said, what is wrong with you? Like, which, are you okay? Did you, you, you overdose on some kind of drugs? What's going on here, man? He's like, he's like no, do you not know believe it, bro? He said, dude, and he started weeping and crying. He said, when you said the Lord would restore what he took, I said, yeah, what the enemy took? He said, I said, yeah. He says, you won't believe it, bro. We're having twins. I said, are you kidding, man? I said, are you kidding? He's like, no, dude, we're having twins. He's crying. He's weeping, man. Come on, let me tell you something. That man right now, he serves Jesus. Him and his family, they're serving Jesus. Come on. It's crazy to think that. But come on, that, that's what it is. Come on, it's not, it's not big services or big gatherings. Come on, it's the one-on-one. It's the day in and the day out. It's walking it with them. And let me tell you something, that guy was looking for God. He, he had been hurt, as we, as we developed a relationship, he had been hurt in the past by Christians. And he said, you know what? I kept you away, bro, to see if you were real. And you were the same. You didn't change. You just were, just kept doing the do, and it was so annoying. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I was annoying. You know, so I'm just trying to be me, man. He says, no, dude, but. But that, that's what I knew, man. And so if I was going to have anybody pray for me, it would have been you, man. Let me tell you something. That's what it is. And that's what Paul and Barnabas did in Acts chapter 13 and 14. Well, they were squatting, squad, and they got together and said, you know what? We're going to make a difference. We're going to do something. Man, we, we, we can't sit here idly by. We, we can't sit here knowing what we know. Come on, be knowing that, 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 that Jesus, come on, is the way, the truth, and the life. And that the moment I started a relationship with him, the hatred, the anger, the bitterness, all of the things that I once held in my heart, all left. There's no way I can hold that just to myself. I have to tell other people about it. And in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, as they're separated out, they go out. The first place they go to is the island of Cyprus. Paul, Barnabas, and, and, and Barnabas' cousin John Mark, they head out to the island of Cyprus. They're preaching all across the island. The first place they go to is probably what scholars believe was Barnabas' home church, right? So they go and they start preaching a little bit, and they move all across the island. When they get to the end of the island, the Bible says after they preach throughout the whole island, there's this guy that calls to them, Sergius Paulus, and he calls out to him. He's the proconsul; he's the governor, basically, of the island. And they, they come in, and, they, and, and he summons for Paul and Barnabas, and he summons and he calls them, right? And as they're coming forward, man, they, they, he calls him and he summons him through this guy named Bar-Jesus, or Elemias, meaning the expert, right? And, and Bar-Jesus is a false prophet. And as they're there, the false prophet begins to get in the way of what the gospel is doing, of Paul preaching and teaching, Right? And as he's, as he's doing it, bar Jesus, this guy's getting in the way. And Paul calls down this thing out of frustration. He says, may I speak blindness over you, bar Jesus? And all of a sudden, this cloud, the Bible says like a mist came over him, and he went blind. He was groping on his way out, just trying to get out of there. Come on, that's the first ever miracle we see recorded for Paul. And he does that thing, right? And all of a sudden, the pro sees that. And, and the Bible says that he had heard the words of the Lord, right? And then he saw that, and that day he believed. People are, are, are coming to know Jesus, right, with Paul and Barnabas on a one-on-one level. Come on. They're just two normal dudes who say, you know what? I, we're going to go out and we're going to do something great for God. We're, gonna do, we're just going to do something that we can. We're just going to do something. And they go out, and they begin to make a difference. In chapter 14, the Bible says that they're, that they're preaching and, and that they've grown in, in so much kind of clout and, and, and notoriety that people begin to gather. And they preach one, one Sunday or one Sabbath day in the synagogue. And then all of a sudden, all of the, the Gentile people that they had met throughout the week are saying, Will you host a service for us? Will you please come talk to us? And it says that man, many people were at it. Right? These people are walking. Paul and Barnabas are on the street. They're just talking to people. They're inviting people. I mean, they're basically doing small groups. And that's what happens. In New Testament church was all small groups. That's all it was. Is it would meet somebody who got saved and say, hey, bro, look, man, you're a little bit further along in relationship with Jesus, even though you got saved like six hours ago. That dude was only saved four hours ago, right? So you got a little bit more wisdom. And so, hey, we're gonna put you in charge of this small group. And that's all it was. As Paul and Barnabas said, you know what? We cannot sit idly by. It. We know know that we are called to make disciples. Each and every one of us, if you call yourself a Christian, that is, is, is your purpose in a nutshell. Make disciples, right? That's your purpose in a nutshell. Knowing that, having that idea, knowing what Jesus has called them to do. Paul and Barnabas said, we cannot sit idly by. We have to do something. And they went out and they did just that. They went out and did just that. They didn't go build buildings. They didn't do anything like that. They planted small groups and they made disciples. That's what they did. Come on, guys, if we're going to make a difference, we have to come to this concept. Number one, in, in our in our key scripture, man, the Lord, he, he wants that none would perish. Come on, that none would perish. He's patient with us. And that he wants everybody to come to repentance. Right. That, that, that he's slow with us. Come on. So he wants that for us. We know that if we're going to do something, come on, we're we got to, we're separated out for that. I believe each and every one of us, the moment at, at that we accept Jesus, I believe in the scriptures that we are set apart. Come on, each and every one of us are set and called to a field in which you're working at. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's a school you attend. Whatever it is, I believe you've already been separated out, and the Lord's just waiting for you to be activated, waiting for you to get this idea that oh, all of a sudden, I don't need a degree. I don't need someone to validate me. I've been validated. I've been saved. Come on, sanctified. All these different Things all I need to do is do something. That's all you need to do. I believe he's waiting on you for that. Come on, then we see Paul and Barnabas as they do that. Man, they're just making disciples. That's all they're doing. Is they're just doing life with people. There's three things I want you guys writing down this morning on making a difference. The first one is this right here. I want you to write this down. We can make a difference together. Come on, we can make a difference together. Come on, we need you to, it's not not an exclusive group, it's an inclusive group. It's not like some clique that you remember from high school, there's only a certain amount of people that can do something and everybody else follows along, that's not it at all. Come on, it's not some clique, it's an inclusive group. Come on, I'm sure some of you guys remember those, those old cliques from high school, those people that just thought they had it all together, and when you'd hang around them, they would laugh and have an inside joke, <laughs> and you totally felt on the outside. You're like, I don't get that. I don't know, right? And all of a sudden, you would just get sad, right? And all of a sudden, you didn't know why, but you just wanted more things, right? And so all of a, it's not that at all. Come on, man. This is a big group, a totally inclusive uh, uh, group right here. Come on, we desire, each and every one of us, come on, we can make a difference together. It's, it, you, there are people that, that will never, ever talk to me that love you, that, that, that are friends with you. Come on, together we can make a difference. In high school, I had, I had a good friend of mine who wanted to play baseball so bad. He had this dream of being in the MLB. That's all he talked about was one day I'm going to be a baseball player. One day I'm going to be a baseball player. One day I'm going to be a baseball player. I was like, all right, man. So, so he would try out for the high school baseball team, wouldn't make it. I'm like, all right, but maybe there's something else you should focus on. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to be a baseball player. I was like, all right, dude. So he would go next year, try for baseball and not make it again. I was like, maybe you should consider other options, bro. I don't know, man. And he's like, no, I'm going I'm to be a baseball player. Man, so much so he, he would do what he could to hang out with the baseball team. But he, when he would go to hang out with them, they all had these inside jokes and they all had these things that never, ever, ever made him feel a part of the group. They never, ever included him. They never, ever said, hey, bro, look, man, this is what you can do to get better. This is what you can do maybe to improve your swing. This is what you need to do. When the fielder's doing this, this is what you need to do. They never, ever, ever included him in any one of those things. Let me tell you something. The church is not that way or it shouldn't be that way. Come on, man, we need to be coming in and saying, all right, look, bro, you're the same as me. You've got the same gift that I do. Come on, look, together, we need to do this because I need some help here, bro. I need some help with this. Come on, let, let, me, let me tell you, they're laughing at that because of this right here. Look, this is what happened last night. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah, crazy, right? All right, cool. Now you're brought up to speed. That's what it is. Come on, we need to be looking at people and saying, hey, together we can make a difference. Not, hey, we've got what we need and we're good right now. No, 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 we need you. Come on, man, together. Come on, bring it in. Come on, we are one big body doing one big thing, one great thing for Jesus. We need you. Come on, together we make a difference. Together we do those things. Not by yourself, not, not off on alone. you know, uh, an island all by yourself. No, together we make a difference. Come on, we do those things together. The second thing is this right here. Write this down. You are needed to make an impact. You are needed to make an impact. We need you. We cannot have the same impact without you. We cannot have the same impact without you. I I told my wife I was gonna share the story, and I was like, look, I don't don't want to. She's like, you need to share it. And I was like, you don't want to. She's like, it's good for your development. I was like, I don't want to share the story. (laughs) So I'm gonna share it, right? So here we go. I'm a huge Texas Rangers fan, right? I mean like the biggest. This year, it's a dumpster fire. But I'm a huge Texas Rangers fan. I'm excited, I'm excited for the new stadium. Come on, I've taken my son to games. I, I love the Texas Rangers. Well, we've got one big rival. This happened about six years ago when the Houston Astros came into AL West. And I hate the Houston Astros so much, right? I don't like them. I don't like them, right? And so you can judge me for being a bad person. That's okay. But, man, I, I'm, I'm working through those things. I don't judge you for what you're working through. Come on. So I don't like them. I do not like the Houston Astros. 2016-2017 season, they won the World Series, right? It hurt me so bad. I was like, why, why can't we be the first Texas team, right? So they, they won the World Series. They won it. They had a great team. They had an awesome team. Jose Altuve gives me, gives me hope in life. He's a little bit shorter than me, and he's doing amazing things. I'm like, all right, cool. Little people can do big things, right? And so I was like, I, 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 I was just watching the team. They had a great team. and so They were making a, a bid for the playoffs, and they were, they were making it. The, the trade deadline for the MLB is on August 31st. And they end up drafting out of the Detroit Tigers, Justin Verlander, right? Who's an amazing pitcher, an incredible pitcher. They already had a great team. The Houston Astros already had a decent team. They're they're first in the division. They're making a great playoff run. But all of a sudden, man, they knew that they needed a little something extra to get them over the hump. Come on, they knew they needed something extra to make sure they had a big impact. So they brought in this guy named Justin Verlander who was a pitcher from Detroit Tigers, who was a Cy Young winner, if that doesn't mean anything to you, he won an award, right? And so he's like, he, got, he won an award for throwing a baseball. So, so they bring him in, and immediately he changes the whole pitching lineup. Immediately he comes in and begins to bring life back into that thing. They make an incredible playoff run. And the Houston Astros win the World Series that year. Come on, he had three out of the four wins, or two out of the four wins in the World Series that he had. Come on, Justin Verlander, he was needed. The team needed him to make an impact. I believe if they didn't have, had they not drafted Justin Verlander and they would have stayed where they were at, they wouldn't have won the World Series the way they did. I don't believe they would have won it. I believe it might have been lost. Let me tell you something. You are needed to make an impact. There are small groups who who are are at the cusp of growing, man, three, four people, and they're needing somebody else to come in who's a heavy hitter that just brings it in and pushes it over the edge. You are needed to make an impact. Come on, there's there's serve teams that are needing somebody just like you. And you say, well, maybe they look like they're stacked or maybe they're, they're ready to go. Let me tell you something. They need somebody just like you because you make an impact. Come on, had they not brought in that guy? They would not have been in the situation they were in, right? I don't believe they would have wanted. Let me tell you something. You are needed to make an impact. We need you. Come on, there's things that only you can do. There are things that only you can do. There's things that you, only you can bring to the table. Experiences, relationships. Come on, we need you to make an impact. You gotta get that. If we're gonna make a difference, you gotta know you're needed to make an impact. When we cannot have the same impact without you. The third thing is this right here. I want you to write this down. You'll be somebody's miracle. Come on, when you finally decide to say, hey, look, you know what? I'm gonna join a squad. I'm gonna get on a team. You know what I mean? I, I understand that together we make a difference. I understand this. So I gotta be on the team. I gotta be in the together. And then, I got, and, then, and then I understand that all of a sudden, all right, I'm needed to make an impact. There's something that I bring to the table that no one else has that, that they really need me to do. Why, I know I'm that guy. I'm the one that's gonna push us over. It don't matter when you join the team. All that matters is you join, right? Come on. He said, I know that. What's gonna end up happening is you're gonna end up being someone's miracle. You'll be somebody's miracle." There'll be somebody in a small group who's praying for someone that's walked through the same thing you've walked through. And all of a sudden, you show up you say, I never thought there was somebody else. I never thought there was another person that did that. Come on, you'll end up being someone's miracle. When the moment you join the team, you say, hey, look, man, I'm gonna be a part of this thing. I'm gonna make a difference. I'm gonna be someone's miracle. I'm gonna do that. Not in a prideful and a haughty way, just knowing it will happen. Paul and Barnabas, as they went out ministering the gospel, as they did what they could, right where they were at, right? I believe at the church of Antioch where they were serving, they were somebody's miracle. But the moment they left outside, the first place they went to was Cyprus. And we see it right there. Sergius Paulus, the proconsul of the governor uh, uh, of, of the whole island of Cyprus. Man, he, they were his miracle. Come on, man. There was nobody else that probably could have spoke to that man. There was nobody else that, that could have spoke Jesus to him in the way they did. Right? He had this bar Jesus, dude, all up in the way. And they needed a guy with Paul's attitude to come through here and say, hey, you know what? Shut up, dude. Sit down right? And he did that. Man, all of a sudden, the gospel went forth. The Sergius Paulus was saved and changed the course of that island forever. Come on, you got to understand that the moment you say, hey, I'm going to make a difference. The moment you say, I'm going to join the team. Man, I'm going to get on a squad. I'm going to do this thing. Come on, that you will be someone's miracle. And when you do that, it'll shift your focus. It'll shift your priorities. It'll change everything about you. Everything about you will change. Right now, you're using things as an excuse. Well, man, on the weekends, I do this and I do that. So I really can't be plugged in that much. I really can't serve because of this or that. I mean, I love to hunt and fish. In high school, they called me the Mexican redneck, right? That's just what they call me. they are like, you're the Mexican redneck. That's just kind of what you, I love to hunt and fish. Every weekend was consumed with that. When Pastor Adam began to ask me to start serving, he said, Hey, bro, would you, would, you, would you serve two Sundays out of the month with us? <clears throat> and I said, Well, I can do that, but not in September because that's dove season. Not in October because that's when bow season starts. November, December is scratched out, man. That's rifle season. There's no way I can do that. And then again in April, that's turkey season. Nah, man. So look, you kind of got me like in January and February. March, we're getting ready. You know, so I began to give this schedule out, right? Because my, 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 my hobbies dictated my weekend. Right, Everything I did, I loved to hunt fish, and everything I saw was through that lens. Well, no, it can't happen because that's opening day bow season. No way I can do that. Not even close. Well, what about Labor Day weekend? That's opening day dove season. I can't do that either. I'm sorry, man. I'm out. Right, And so it began to change everything. The moment the moment, that I began to say, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit more of my heart. I'm going to start serving you a little bit more. The moment that I saw myself when I prayed for somebody, and they said, you know what, dude, I not for you. I wouldn't be serving Jesus. The moment that happened, everything changed. Everything shifted. Nothing was the same after that. After that, I said, you know what? I don't don't matter what what weekend it is. It doesn't matter. Do you need me? I'm there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's it's turkey season. Do you need me? I'm there. It didn't didn't matter. Why? Because I noticed that my world is bigger than just me. I noticed that there are people out there who are dying and going to hell that I need to help. Not in a prideful and a haughty way, but let me tell you something. The Lord's just saying, Hey, man, I need people. I need people. The beauty about being on the Lord's team, He says, Many are called, but few are chosen. The only, people, the only reason why they were chosen is because they showed up. That's all He's asking for. He's saying, I just need people to show up, man. I just need people who will say, I'm here, I'll do it, I'll go. That's all He's asking for. Come on, the ultimate goal is we close this thing out of a squad. It's summed up right there in Matthew 28. It's to make disciples. That's it. Come on, guys, we're called to make a difference. We're called to do something. You know, you, you look the first week, we had the four crazy friends who drug their friend to Jesus. Come on, that was for their friend. That was, that was for that guy. Then we had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who wouldn't bow to Nebuchadnezzar's statue. Right, that was for them. And then we see Ruth and Naomi, and they, they got Boaz, that was for them. Barnabas and Paul, that was for everyone else. And that's what we're called to do. Come on, that's what we're called to do. We're called to go out and make a difference. We're called to make disciples, guys. Matthew twenty-eight. That's what it is. Go out, make disciples. If you will stand across sanctuary with us this morning, if you would right where you at, pull out your cell phone for me, real quick. That's a little different. Pull out your cell phone for me. I believe the Lord's putting on your heart right now some people that you can make a difference in their life immediately. I want you to write now three names this morning of people that you can text, call, tag on a social media post, something. You begin to make a difference in their lives. From Paul and Barnabas, man, all of a sudden they they felt that they were separated out and they went and they did something. Knowing that you were separated out, knowing that you were God's child, call to do something great and amazing for him. Knowing that, having that bit of knowledge, come on, it's time that you start doing something. Come on, man, reach out to those relationships. Reach out to those people and say, hey, you know what, man, they, I've, been, I've been meaning to text him. I've been meaning to invite him. Well, let that be this week. I should reach out to him. Tag him in a post. Give him a phone call. Send him a little emoji text, you know, love you, haha, <laughs> right, just whatever that is. You Just reach out to him. Challenge you to do that this week. As we're challenged to make a difference. And we have squads that would go out and change the course of history. If we'll close your eyes and bow your heads with me all across the sanctuary. Jesus, we love you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for each and every one of my friends in here this morning. Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus. God, that you're slow and you're patient with this according to 2 Peter. Just you desire that none would perish. But he's so patient with us. I'm so thankful for that. Now, if you're here this morning, you'd be honest with yourself, be honest with me, and say, Pastor Jonathan, look, man, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. When you, when you read that scripture that none would perish and that all would come to repentance, I mean, I need to come to that spot. Let me tell you something Jesus ain't mad at you, man. He's not. He's so happy and thankful that you're here this morning. Not because church makes you a better person. No, because you're going after him. You're seeking him. So this morning, I want to ask you just a simple question. If you honest with yourself, you'd be honest with God and you'd be honest with me. you say, Pastor Jonathan, I need to start a relationship with Jesus, either for the first time or coming back to him again. Would you pray with me? I'd love to pray with you this morning. If you would just slip your hand up and say, That's me, Pastor Jonathan. I need some prayer this morning, man. I need to receive Jesus. I need to start a real relationship with him this morning. I see your hand there in the back. Anybody else, you say, That's me. I see you up here in the front. I see you. I'll give you just a few more seconds. I want to belabor the point, but I don't want to leave the spot without giving you an opportunity. I'll give you five more seconds. Five. up this morning. Come on, want to start a relationship with Jesus or come back to him after a while. Let me tell you something. According to Romans chapter 10, it says, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart then you shall be saved. Come on, if you raise your hand in here this morning, I believe you already done 50% of that equation. You've believed in your heart. Come on, you believe in your heart that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now the second part is just confessing with your mouth and I'm going to lead you in a prayer this morning. I want everybody in the sanctuary to repeat this prayer after me, along with my friends who rose their hands. And maybe you were too scared to raise your hand or too intimidated, but you really meant it. Let me tell you something. I believe that this is the day of your salvation. There's nothing special about the words or how you put it. It's how you mean it in your heart that matters. So I want everybody across the sanctuary to repeat this after me. Say, Jesus. Oh, you knew better than that. Say, Jesus, this morning, I give you my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Wipe my sins away. I confess everything I've done. And I promise to do my best to live for you. Write my name in your book of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Just keep your head back for just a moment. Jesus, we love you, Father God, and I thank you for each and every one of my friends in here this morning, Lord Jesus. Father God, I pray that they would feel your warm embrace, Lord Jesus. Lord, they'd feel your salvation just come over them, Father God. No longer would they feel or walk in guilt and shame, but Lord Jesus. They'd walk, Lord, Lord, in your favor, Lord Jesus, knowing that you love them and you die for them, Father God. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, also that we would have, man, friends, great squads around us, Lord Jesus, that are pushing us towards the thing of God, Lord Jesus, but that we'd have goals with each and every one of those things, and that would be making disciples, Lord Jesus, leading people to you, Father God. Lord, may people come closer to you when they're around us, Lord Jesus. Father God, we love you so much, Jesus. We pray all of these things in your holy, in your precious name. In amen. amen.